It's a living island, at least 25 miles across. Two minutes ago, we watched it inhale an entire aircraft carrier. We face a threat big enough to wipe us off the Earth. You won't be able to do it. You do not have the will. Time to see what this ring can really do. All of you, to the last breath! Yeah! Fight on! Are you with me? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Smash! So welcome to Movie Smash, the podcast that explores comic book movies outside the MCU that you may or may not remember. If you're the type of person that enjoys talking about hidden gems or just like to tear movie, old movies apart, this is the place for you. And with that, let's get started. I am Chris Roberts. I am the founder of Off Panel Creations. It's a place where we fuse nerd culture with furniture and your everyday items. Uh, with me today, I've got Jeremy Parmentier. Hi, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, host of Retrovaniacs Gaming Podcast and general movie fan. And Fergal. Hey, 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 what's going on? This is Fergal Late. No, I'm sorry. This is Fergal Lamar, <laughs> owner of Gotham Night Comics, where we get our nerd on and obviously love to have fun doing it. Uh, excited to be a part of here. We are your newest, freshest, most awesome store in Livonia, Michigan, and we ship everywhere. Can't wait to be a part of this conversation. Let's make it happen. Okay, so... Our movie for today is our actually our first animated movie that we are going to review and discuss. Oh, and Chris, before we get started, if you don't mind me saying, movies smash! <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. So, so this is our first animated movie, and it's straight. It was a straight to DVD or straight to VH. I guess it wasn't VHS at the time, but straight to DVD movie um, called Justice League: New Frontier. This movie came out in two thousand eight. It's got every B-level actor I can think of. Now, David Baran is who well, he played um, Angel, I think. You got yes. Neil Patrick Harris, uh, Miguel Fiera. You got you got Lucy Lawless in this thing. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of actors in this movie. Uh, we'll get more into that in a bit. Uh, but before we jump into this movie and sort of do a deep dive on this thing, um, what we what was your guys? Have you guys familiar with this movie at all? Was this the first time you watched it? No, actually, this is one of those um, gems I discovered, sort of like the uh, the doom that came to Gotham and, and Under the Red Hood and Christ on Infinite Earth. These are just one of those little gems that, um, you know, didn't necessarily get a ton of, I think I, was, I saw only two trailers on, on HBO Max on this. Um, so I saw it and I was blown away. I mean, just, um, you know, the tone, the tonality, the character introduction, um, the fact that they really didn't. It was literally a merge of gold and silver. So, or excuse me, silver and bronze. So it was kind of that golden age, that silver age of comics, kind of diving headfirst into that bronze age. And that was absolutely awesome how they seamlessly put that together around a threat that was bigger than all of them. So one of my uh, many dark secrets is that I don't watch a lot of animated movies. Nothing wrong with them. I'm not like I'm too cool for animated movies. I just don't watch a lot of animated movies, so I have not seen this until this podcast uh, at all. So this was all new to me. And for me, um, I may or may not have mentioned this before, but I collect steelbooks for DC movies, including the animated ones. So I've owned this thing for 
since it came out. Um, so I've seen it a few times before this, without a doubt. I've always it's it's an enjoyable film. We'll get into that in a little bit, but this is not my first time seeing this movie. So Fergal, I mean, I know when I saw this is when it first came out. When was the first time you saw this movie? Uh, same time as you did, Chris, when it first came out. Um, you know, and, and so again, character, you know, definition, I just knew the story, but I think what really attracted me to it was the shooting style was so under, it was underutilized. You know, often in animated movies, they try to go overboard, um, sometimes too much. You know, there's new, there's new styles now. I mean, uh, Batman and Superman, there's, or uh, the Super Sons, you know, different styles, or RBY or the Arcs RBY movies that came out. Um, this one was kind of a throwback to the old school and they really the, the way they i think the voices made the cast on this and so um you know i saw it when you saw it saw it again um and then you know as as the world was moving i was like wow this is kind of befitting for this world that we live in a little bit uh i saw it again <laughs> so why do you obviously you're familiar with this, you're familiar with this movie what what background is there about this? Are there comic books we should read when it comes to this movie? Yeah, um, it's an Eisner and Harvey, uh, Eisner, Harvey, and Schuster award-winning six-issue comic series. It's actually written and drawn by Darren Cook, published in 2004. Um, and uh, to give you the credit to Mr. Cook, influences by uh, series like Alex Ross's Kingdom Come and The Golden Age, New Frontier is set in the 50s, depicts the Golden Age, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the, the trifecta, the Holy Trinity, meaning Silver Age and, and kind of even some bronze, you know, Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, um, and then characters as they move on, like the Blackhawks. Um, it, it symbolizes the end, and then at the end, the next time they're beginning. And I think the way they handled that was awesome. Yeah, you sort of touched on it. So a quick, for those who have not seen this movie yet, and I do recommend you go see it, uh, that this movie, give me a quick pl uh, plot on this. It starts post-Korea, the Korean War. Like, literally, the opening scene is... They've announced the end of the Korean War. And for what you kind of mentioned, it's, it's really describes the transition of the Justice Society of America, world of superheroes. It is it has fall asunder. And now we're going into a new generation of heroes. Um, and it's they've and to bring them all together in this uh, McCarthy era world um, is a world ending threat called the center, which we'll get more into in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it. And it's really their story of all these new heroes coming together um, for the in a world where the Korean War has ended, that we're in the height of the Cold War, and how do we handle that with McCarthy? No, it's truth everywhere, everybody on guard, nobody believing yeah. anything, government against its own people in a lot of regards, doesn't want the heroes out activating, doing things, do what we tell you and nothing more. Yeah, very, very apropos type yeah, situation. It, this movie, for, the, like I said, for those who haven't seen it yet, it's not just packed with the Justice League. It is packed with so many characters and so many references. So, Fergal, uh, I know you're a big, you're a big character guy. So, what, what did you see in this movie? What people did you spot? Oh gosh, I mean, the list goes on and on. I saw the Blackhawks, Ray Palmer. Um, you know, obviously Adam Flash. Oh, I mean, it just, oh, you know, Aquaman. Um, Oh, oh, Thanagarians, Adam Strange, um, you know, I mean, so you had, I mean, I get Hawkman, um, you had a lot of people. I mean, it's, my brain is a little mushy, uh, which is, you know, the case because I'm a little old, but mysterious. Uh, but at the end of the day, you saw a ton of heroes in this movie that were amazing. 
So, Jeremy, did you catch all the references in there at all, or were some just going right by you? I did catch most of them. There was definitely a few people that I had to look up um, that, that I was like, who who are these people supposed to be? I did know Adam Strange, uh, and of course, you know, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all the classics I knew. But uh, there was there were definitely some that I was unaware of. Um, Blackhawks. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, I was like, I don't know who those guys are, but I'm sure I'll find out. And I looked them up after the movie to see what they were. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I didn't know them, but I did know most of these heroes. I, uh, uh, my second dark secret that I'm going to release this episode is I'm not a huge DC Comics guy. I don't dislike them. Everyone likes Batman. Everyone knows Superman. Uh, but as a whole, like, I don't know the continuity. I don't know a lot of those side characters. I tried to get into it again. Um, I guess in the last couple of years when I got back into comic books, I was like, I want to give DC Comics another shot. And for the most part, I just, it, they can't grab me and I don't know why not. There's nothing wrong with them. They just, as a whole, do not grab me. So I was surprised I knew as many as I did. That makes perfect sense because they were, you know, there, there are a lot of heroes. And I think you sometimes struggle to make great stories, right? I mean, we, there's, no, there's no shame in the game that they have not struggled over years to find good comic stories and 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 jeremy to your point it sometimes can be hard to get into these characters um you know the most recent one i just saw besides this one blue beetle and that's probably the first dc movie in a while um while the 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 arc is a little weak the story is kick ass and it's because of the characters um but it's it's you know it's it's, it can be tough sometimes well i think the characters in this movie um are its strength and its weakness. Um, and what I mean by that is there are so many characters in this movie, you don't get to know any of them, except for like three or four of them. Um, which is, it's nice because it's like seeing a, like a lot of cameos in a movie where like, hey, I know that guy. But the problem is that, as Jeremy said, he didn't know all the people, neither did I, I didn't know all the people at the time either. So I think a lot of that was lost on me in the initial one. Um, but art style wise, I think let's just change gears a little bit. Um, the art style for this is very different than the DC animated movies coming out of the time. It reminded me of the early Batman, the animated series uh, in a lot of, of ways that it was drawn and kind of the darkness of things. Um, obviously it's, it's not the same time frame, but it's that it was that it felt like that to me, as opposed to a brighter, more, more like, uh, I don't like further, you know, harder outline sort of comic uh, look. Agreed. Agreed. The art style was more art deco than anything. And it was a bit darker in its tones. I think they specifically, you know, if you compare this to a movie like uh, Christ and Infant Nurse or um, Justice League War or Throne for Atlantis, you'll see a completely different set of character flesh out the tones. Even the S on Superman's signal just looks different and, and evokes a harder edge, more art deco style. But when you initially look at it, you're like, ah, oh, and then they start speaking. To your point, Chris, the, the cast is what made these characters come to life. Yeah, art style-wise, I think it just, it definitely resonates that Silver Age comic. Um, in fact, uh, like I said, I've got the steel book and I've got it here in front of me. On the cover, it's got the same artwork and everybody's smiling, right? Everybody's happy, <laughs> which is kind of the tone of the movie. It's kind of, it's very upbeat. Um, but Let's sort of jump into the plot of this thing, because I think, I sort of spoiler a little bit, I think the plot's kind of a mess. <laughs> but um, what do you guys think about the plot of this movie, the actual sort of beats this thing goes through? I think it's a mess. I think 
you, you hit the head on the nail. There were so many characters. It, it, you know, if the goal was to flesh out characters, they didn't do a great job. If the goal was to bring the characters into existence and introduce you to them, pass the torch and create a new sense of young leaders and old leaders, phenomenal job. Um, and it's always hard to find a world-ending threat uh, in some regards that you could just throw in there um, that was fresh. I think that was the thing this movie, because, you know, they could have thrown Dark Side, they could have thrown Forever People, they could throw all kinds of different stuff at this thing. But what they did was they gave us this really interesting cartoon explanation about the center. And I thought that was a that was interesting. Towards the end, it got a little dumb, but, you know, introducing it off, it certainly kept my attention and wrapped me through. But you're right, it's a little bit of a mess when it comes to everybody trying to get to know everybody. Well, I think it assumed you'd know the core heroes, right? It, you didn't have to ex- get explained who Superman was or Wonder Woman or um, or even the Flash, really. He's kind of somebody who's been, who was a hero and now is kind of trying to get away from the limelight as part of the, the, of the story there. Um, it, it introduces you, I think, for the only main hero that it kind of does a whole background for would have been Green Lantern. It kind of introduced the Green Lantern really quickly. Um, that is one of the characters I was pretty familiar with, so I didn't need uh, the background. I thought it explained it pretty well, but I don't know if I would have understood a lot of the, um, of, you know, what even the power base of what Green Lantern can do without have knowing more about the character ahead of time. I do think they crammed a lot in. This would have been better suited as a as a series, maybe a, a short like a mini series, three or four episodes, as opposed to needing to cram it into seventy five minutes. Um, but I also think at no point was I bored with this. You know, I wasn't like, okay, great. There's a whole half an hour on how the Flash is trying to hide. Like everything was done, kind of moving these stories along with enough movement between each character to keep it to keep it interesting and i liked that it it wasn't just a focus on okay here's superman and here's you know batman and they're going to try to figure out how to do this i was very excited that they actually they were in it and they did serve a purpose but they weren't the main characters no actually the surprising character in this whole thing was king faraday which is another dc character has his own comic book from the days um and I, and I thought he was a really interesting and i thought the origin of martian manhunter is literally comic accurate down to every piece of it oh yeah that i didn't even think about uh that being his origin but you're right 100 percent. and that was another i mean i knew i knew that character um so i was like yeah okay it's cool it's martian manhunter that's really neat but the if i wouldn't have known the character would i have understood what he can do it seems like he could kind of do whatever he wanted <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's essentially what I felt like when watching this. I think it, if you look at it more of a view of a, it's an origin story for Green Lantern and uh, the Martian Manhunter. Um, all the other characters when they're introduced, I feel like they got introduced with a story, a potential storyline for each of them. We just never saw the resolution of any of those storylines. Um, and me being a big story guy, I, I'm always like, I want to follow this character for a while. Which maybe that's the point of this comic book, this comic book series, which is now this movie, which is to interest you in everything else right to get well, that's, where the, to that's where the aquaman cool. of superman introduction came into does somebody know this gentleman yeah when he comes like, out of the water and... <laughs> <laughs> this one's been asking for a woman named lois see i took yeah, that there's... as a as like a cameo as mo- more than a an, an explanation or an introduction of the character because again this is this is not a comic that would have come out at the time the comic's based in, this came out more recently to kind of tie these two eras together. Um, I, mm. I don't even know if it's considered technically part of the continuity of the DC Universe. I have no idea what currently is the continuity of the DC Universe. But I thought this felt... For me, it was kind of like if you, if you, if if DC thought, okay, I'd like to take 
kind of the concepts of the uh, of the shift of the superheroes from being like easily seen public heroes to maybe public pu- possibly public menace to kind of having to work in the background like a watchman kind of thing so but it was that that background but with the dc characters that everybody knew already that's a great similarity that's probably the closest because in that in watchman it was very much steeped in nixonism and 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 you know kind of the after the next suspicion of everyone who can do something different type scenario so i thought there was an incredible message but i also think you know if you're not looking for a message i mean you can you can see a lot of different things come out of this movie but um you know, it gives you enough to keep you great, but it also potentially could interest you into these stories. Now, the one thing this, besides having all these characters, I think this movie also makes a lot of tonal shifts as it's going along. Did you guys, what did you guys think when it came to the tone of the movie as a whole? You know, for me, I kind of, I don't know if I noticed as many of those shifts. There's definitely shifts, right? I even think, you know, one of the things when I watch this movie, and it's been interesting since I've had this in my house, um, I have the lighted system, the Govi immersion lights. And so it's interesting because with that immersion lights now, I can kind of see what the director's version of how they're toning, how they're coloring in the movie as the movie goes on. So there are certain points in the movie where it gets a bit dark. There are certain points in the movie where it feels a little lost, where it feels a little scared. Uh, and then there are points in the movies that throw the inspiration. So, I mean, the, the, definitely the tone comes at you. And I think the source was scary enough that it killed people. Well, and, and at the very least, it looked like the source. Uh, and I, I, let me go before I continue. Are we trying to tell people the end of this movie? I mean, spoil it? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a 15-year-old movie. I, I'm fine with that. I just want to yeah. make sure before I continue. Yeah. I want to make sure we're all on the same understanding. Of all the people who wish not to be spoiled, please mm-hmm. put the pause on the show and come back. <laughs> I just like, I like to make sure. I don't want to make sure yeah. everyone's like, yeah, Jeremy, we're trying not to do that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. But to mention that the the source would have, um, would have, would have harmed people. I mean, it looked like literally this movie builds up Superman as you know the ultimate superhero, which he kind of is. I mean, he's, he's basically invulnerable for the most part, and and he's if you could paint one superhero one one generic color of good guy, it's it's easily Superman. Um, and in fact, they make that that statement early on when you talk of tone. The, the darkness of this movie from the get go for me was a lot stronger than I expected. Again, um, it, this I thought was was supposed to be a kids aimed at kids cartoon movie i mean it's not a kids movie but it's a movie that i wasn't like oh i'm not gonna let my kids see this that what but and then in the first couple minutes you get to see uh wonder woman in in uh vietnam uh basically helping women uh, after they have captured and killed their own captors uh and superman and her have this kind of fight over who's good and bad and it's like oh wow this is really dark but it it, again it it paints super superman as kind of like this universal good even though he's still kind of questioning his own his own motives and and other people are questioning his, his you know what is the motive of the u.s what's the point of us being here and doing these things right so it's got that dark that dark area um uh, Hal Jordan, when he finally, you know, he, he wrecks his his airplane, he ends up in this trench with a with a Korean soldier, and it's I know it's in in silhouette, but you still see him, you, you know, basically get into a, a fight for his own survival, and it's a a fairly graphic headshot. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, this is it's extremely dark and graphic compared really to what I expected. Graphic. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And the driving scene and the way they talked about mental health and the way that, you know, it's just the way they approach those subjects, you are hitting. That's where the, the graphic looks of the Charles Lloyd. They were unafraid of going and letting it be what it was supposed to be. Well, and it humanizes superheroes, which is good. I think yeah. that's needed a, a lot of the time, especially I mean, that's that's kind of one of my big hangups with DC is that that 
yes, when you start reading the comics, they do this. But when you first like find DC related stuff, it's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. So they're all these kind of, you know, even Batman really has kind of like a he's really a good guy. He's a great guy. All his modems are always good or whatever. Sure. In the comics, that is not always the case. But I'm talking what you'd find if you just search Batman, Superman, whatever. Right. So. It was nice to see even the big heroes have these kind of big gray areas of what is and isn't right. Are they doing the right thing? And that that felt very much like the Watchman thing to me. But my point, uh, to go back to what I said a few minutes earlier, with the source, you know, first off, it's this giant thing, right? You have to find you have to find a way to make a menace that that somehow is actually menacing. You can either go the intergalactic route, or you can make it so it's some kind of ancient being uh, that's been on the Earth this whole time, which is the route they went. And in his first attack, the first thing they do is they send out the ultimate superhero to stop it. It's Superman. And it looks like he's completely destroyed by this thing. And it doesn't phase it, and it continues to come at the rest of the heroes, where you realize they've kind of realized, this is it. We're gonna we're, we're all gonna die. Let's go down fighting. Like, it, it even though it, it does, the tone shifts from this super dark to, um, to, to the more, like, triumphant kind of feel to it even up to the very end it still has this sense of dread over the whole thing which i really liked so before you go on uh fergal the center the 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 source is that in any other comic book at all because i i've never heard of that and the indies no i believe the only reference to it is going to be in the new frontier comic um, because to your point, Jeremy, they actually did take this over a six-issue arc, so there was more time to flesh out kind of a one direction and another direction, which was designed to kind of open up a different different look at DC characters and kind of promote a different way of, of drawing them. But um, no, the center was specifically made for this new frontier because they wanted to, they had never attempted this before. It's never, you know, what you might find, and here's a little fun fact, if you kind of dig into the, you know, movie hero uh, genre and you look at the, I, I, the best way to describe it is if you look at the comic or even the real life action hero movies, you will um, you will not often see a very stark look at one generation of a way a hero looks with the way a hero looks today. Um, they they don't know how to do that. That, that what was on New Frontier, in my humble opinion, would be very difficult to translate into real life to just drive those characters out. So yeah, I think they they wrote for the story. Um, the voice was phenomenal, right? And I think that this movie doesn't work without a nice seven, eight minute intro into who the source is. Agreed? Well, I like that there's kind of this this undescript feeling that the source is, like, you don't know what it is up until you finally see what it is. And, and it does tie together all the things that are kind of said about the source. You don't know what it is. You're not quite sure. Uh, it seems at one point it might be an entity. It seems at one point it might just be some kind of movement that might have some supernatural basis, but you're not really sure. People, are, you know, all across the world in unconnected events are kind of, it's not quite a cult, but they basically have this mindset that is things that the source is saying. There's a child's book author at the beginning that you see, you know, write out his story of the, of, of his version of the source and how it's coming to, to cleanse the earth and whatever. Like there's all these unconnected things that are somehow saying the same piece. So you're not quite sure what the source is, which I really liked, um, that, that, that it had this kind of vagueness. Um, I, I don't want to keep comparing this to Watchmen, but I, to, to get back to what you said, uh, fertile about how you don't think this would go well in live action. Um, that's one. Of, that's what I don't like about the Watchmen movie. Is I think the end of it, it it's fine for what it was. But if they tried to film what was in the comic, which worked totally fine in the comic, it would have been fine in an animated version. It would have looked really goofy. So I think you yeah. have to be animated for something like that end monster to make any sense. Otherwise, it's going to go from what probably could have been a totally 
acceptable live action movie to feeling like one of the cheaper Godzilla movies. <laughs> the, the source is basically like an eldritch horror, right? At the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it makes yeah. people go insane. It's undescribable. I mean, it's a floating island, not a floating island. It creates creatures that are monstrous that flow from it. That then when actually, they I apologize. The movie didn't call it the source, but it's called the center. Oh, the center. Why we can't call it the source? But anyway, the, uh, because it just sounds just as cool. We just created the next DC villain. I, I can't wait to see what I've been watching or reading or playing that hasn't been called the source, and I've been calling it the source this whole time. But yes, we're all talking about the same thing, even if I don't know what to call it. <laughs> well, the, the one thing, and yet again, the my issue is that there's there, as you mentioned, Jeremy, there are a lot of things like there's the cult that's in there. There's the the guy going crazy from the voices in his head. There's Dinosaur Island is referenced at one point, right? And there's so many like little storylines that they really have to tie up quickly. This movie's only seventy five minutes long. By legal definition, it is the minimum number of minutes to be considered a feature film. <laughs> well, and, and Dinosaur Island is tied up. I mean, they yeah. do explain it when you literally see the sore or the, the center. Uh, you literally see the center. That is the before mentioned Dinosaur Island. Yeah. But I'm saying it, they, they jam so much into 75 minutes. So pacing wise, how do you guys feel about this thing? Your point. I think it's a lot. I mean, they, they threw a lot, you know, for a nerd. And again, I take, I take for granted often, and I do this, it's just because we're normal people, that I know all of these characters, that there's not a one of them that I'm unfamiliar with. So when I see them, I'm like, that's cool. How they tell them, that's even better. Um, but it's you can definitely get the feeling that this should have been at minimum an hour and 45 minutes. I mean, the doom that came to Gotham, which I continue to reference, because right now in my my watch list of new movies in uh, HBO, that's the best movie that DC has out right now. It's the doom that came to watch. Oh, so yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic film. I've got that. Fantastic. Um, but that's but this not movie, our movie today. <laughs> that's not our movie today, but this comes up behind it. But I keep thinking about that um, in terms of just where this movie comes. Another fantastic movie. And again, if they had just lengthened the movie out, I think they could have given a little bit more. Because I, I actually went back and bought the six issue comic set, including variants, because now I'm going to be selling it. I'm selling a few of them at the store um and the store the the book in the series uh is a little bit more opportunity to understand more that could have been in the movie i think you risk if you make the movie longer you risk losing people's interest somewhat i i understand what you're saying and i agree i think it was a lot um for me um i i didn't know a lot of those characters not all of them for me the biggest part where i didn't know them was towards the end when you know they go to take on the center and all these heroes show up that before were kind of in hiding or, uh, or operating out, you know, outside of the law or whatever. And I knew most of them, but I didn't know all of them. And it didn't bother me because they just were supposed to represent heroes, right? Superheroes that you may not know or superheroes that maybe they made up for this movie, even though it turns out they didn't, they're all movies. They're all characters that I just didn't know, but I didn't mind that I didn't know them, but I do think that especially for, um, you know, Hal Jordan and Martian Manhunter and just kind of explaining some of those things that they did make very quickly that because I knew the characters, I wasn't lost completely. Uh, I think it would have helped to have either, you know, two shorter kind of buildups to this to go over people's background somewhat or, or, or maybe break it out into a, a short series, right? Three or four parts would have been fine. But I think if you made this movie any longer than 90 minutes, I think you'd risk people losing interest in it because it is an animated movie and because it does kind of keep need to go pretty fast to to keep attention for for if you're trying to get younger people to watch it you need that speed so rating wise how are you guys how many thumbs are you guys going to give this thing 
at least a thumb up with a happy face behind it. <laughs> uh, I'm giving this, yeah, a, a glorious thumbs up. This was on its own, start to finish. Um, I, I watched it all in one sitting. I liked it. I enjoyed it. My son did come down about halfway through, my younger son, and ended up watching the rest of me without knowing what was happening. He liked the way it looked and was interested in it. And we, I explained what was going on, you know, to, so he understood what was happening. But it was great on its own, a self alone. As a standalone movie, I really thought it was excellent. Like, there's a lot of these these movies, um, especially when you pull in a bunch of heroes that I feel like, like like the Marvel's Avengers movie, right? It's fine on its own. You can watch it. It's great. But I think if you didn't watch everything before, if you don't know the characters, you're missing a ton. And I feel like this didn't necessarily need that, maybe because the core heroes like Superman and Batman are so beyond explanation. You don't, you know, unless you are literally like two years old, you don't need someone to explain who Superman or Batman are. They just are, you know who they are like Mickey Mouse or Mario. And you know, it was Superman's speech that rallied the heroes. So you do get, you know, and, and Lucy Lawless as Wonder Woman. That was a great choice. Um, that was a really good choice. And, and again, you know, I think that Superman's speech is just exactly what you expect from that hero. Um, you know, yeah, I think they. I think they could have made it a little bit longer. I think it's amazing. Um, I would want to mention one scene. I think it's just. It just jumped into my head. The uh, the Batman scene when he meets uh, Martian Manhunter. That was so cool. You guys agree on that? Like, I've got a thirty five thousand dollars sliver of kryptonite yes. for the one in, in Metropolis for you all. I need is a match. I thought that was amazing. A ten cent matchbook. <laughs> yes, that was amazing. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I guess I'm staying alone this one. I. There are for me. I, I looking at the whole universe of other Justice League animated movies. It's not my favorite one. It's a good movie. It's a solid movie, and I think it's a standalone, good watch, and people should watch this thing. But to, to I can't give it a overwhelming thumbs up, you no know, giant thumb up with a smile behind or whatever you call the Fergal because <laughs> there's so many other good Justice League animated movies out there. Um, so, I mean, I'd give it a thumbs up, but I, I'm sorry. I'm not with a giant grin behind it, um, but I think people should watch this thing. They should. They so should. are you a straight face thumbs up? Is that where you're at? You're like a thumbs up, but slightly mad? Like oh, something slightly mad. might have crapped a little bit in your Oreos? Like maybe the cereal was slightly one or two days past expiration date? But you're well, no, not anyway. that. <laughs> a, br- a brooding thumbs up. Um <laughs> Just because for me, like, there's so much in this movie I wish they had explored more they, if they had the time to do it. And maybe it's maybe that's it's a good movie for what it is. And as a standalone thing, I think it's a great movie. But I'm just being greedy. I want more of it. I want to see more of these people, more of these characters. Um, and I think they're like, and knowing myself and knowing the collection that we've got to go through going over the next few years, there are better Justice League movies out there. But at the same time, it is the only Justice League movie like this. It is unique in its own. It's its own beast, if you would. Um, it is the only one that's out there that straddles the silver and golden age. So if you like that kind of move, if you like that that genre, that that era of comics, it's the only answer for you, right? That makes sense. Wow, I think DC needs to hire you, man. You just picked up that 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 may have went from an unenthusiastic thumbs up to a thumbs up with conditions, but they are good conditions. So, <laughs> I as I've already stated. I think people should go watch this movie for what it is because um, it is a good representation of a period of comic book. Right. But for mm. you guys, do you think people should go watch it? Should they go spend the time to go find this on what is now called max? Jeremy, what do you think? 
A hundred percent. I like I said, I, I had not seen any of these other DC animated movies. Um, I'm not the biggest DC fan. That said, from start to finish, I loved this, and I will definitely watch it again. Well, Chris, I'm going to have to uh, second uh, Jeremy's nomination uh, and bring this to a voice call. <laughs> I just think it's a great movie. You're going to love it. Well, all the other movies that you indicated on HBO, on DC, are amazing. Every one of them is so, you know, I mean, from Doom to um, to the, uh, the the Apocalypse uh, movie, to the Apocalypse War, to just, you know, all these different movies that Justice Leagues and they kind of touch into, they're all very different, but... Um, very similar in tone, right? Just different draw, different artists, different styles. Uh, but this is the first movie to do it this way. And it's, you know, when you're going through it, uh, that's why I keep going back to the, the Doom that came to Gotham because Gotham by Gaslight, that's one of those other movies that was done this way. And it, even that one still follows the line, but it was just done this way. This one really committed to doing something completely different. Yeah, and that... that uh gaslight gotham movies there's two of them actually are definitely in the um in the what era is that the post-victorians uh, yeah post-victorian yeah, yeah so um I, I i don't think i have to ask you guys if you'd watch this thing again <laughs> but instead of asking like your normal question is you know should they make a remake of this i guess the better question is should they expand this out to a series of movies or even a television show unequivocally yes Will they? Who knows? Uh, but yes. I don't know how much, I mean, again, other than maybe getting into some more of the background story or maybe covering more of the of the period right before this might be interesting to cover kind of the, 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 the part where superheroes would have had to take oaths to the United States and the others went to hiding. Like, I'd like to know more about what heroes did during that time, especially the ones that I didn't know very well. Like, what did Adam Strange do during that time frame? I don't know. Uh, so that would be cool to kind of cover that. I don't know if I need to go past the end of this movie forward like i think the end of this movie kind of sets up for like and this is how the justice league formed great they have movies about that they have comics about that i want to know what happened right before this yeah i'm gonna amend my answer and agree with jeremy even more you always amend your answer we're 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 actually i think somehow or another our theta and beta waves have matched I'm not sure how that happened from our distance <laughs> point, but I believe we have matched data and beta waves. Jeremy, I'm not sure if you can read my thoughts, but I feel like I'm getting yours received. <laughs> I, I'm just I'd such a good to, debater. Uh, I'm I'm great at it. So there, <laughs> there you go. I would I would second Jeremy, but not for probably the same reason. I think it is special by its uniqueness. And I think if you add to that, if you create a series around that or you try to tell other stories in the same exact universe that thing is set up in. I think it takes away from what it is, right? Um, because I don't think they can either those story they can necessarily stand on their own for what it is, but I think it should stay as it is, be a, a piece of history, if you would. And I think people should go out and see this thing. I mean, it's now what, 15 years old, but it's still, it's still, it's still solid. Agreed. I'm watching Ghostbusters and that's 35 years old. Nesting's still solid. Even gotta, though that uh, even though that Stay Puff man looks fake as heck. <laughs> so, um, what do you guys? So, outside this this podcast, what are you guys working on now? What's your what's your big project? 
We've got a Comic-Con at Monroe Pop Fest, which is an amazing little Comic-Con out in Monroe, Michigan. Um, uniquely different in that it has much more of a carnival feel as well as an indoor outdoor Comic-Con. Um, we just got our final approval for Locana, so big, big Disney Locana opportunity, and it's amazing. That thing snuck up on all of us. We didn't see that coming. Nobody did. Um, and just excited to keep growing, keep doing the things we're doing. Um, you know, we've got some great new storylines out. Everyone's really talking about the Wolverine uh, Ghost Rider storyline. That's been pretty phenomenal. Um, we're, we're diving back into some of the other stories uh, and just some of the independents as well, like Vanish and other, other stories like that. Uh, and our independent author, uh, where we're the only shop in Michigan carrying Path of the Pale Path of the Pale Rider, has issue four out, issue three and four, which we've got in store. And Jeremy? As always, Retrovania is always putting out five episodes a month, two on our public feed and three on our Patreon feed. But we've also added in uh, the ability for me to upload streams. Uh, I'd often stream on Twitch, but my schedule means I stream at weird hours. So instead of just leaving that for whoever manages to catch it, I'm now uploading all those to our Patreon feed. But they are not paid posts. They are public posts. So if you're interested in seeing me play through a bunch of games you may or may not like, you can always check it out. Uh, everything Retrovania is always available at Retrovania.net. Before I move on, what are you playing right now? Uh, I am currently playing through a couple games for the podcast, but by the time this airs, they probably would have gone out. So I will leave it at that I am playing the sequel to Legacy of Kain. I am playing Legacy of Kain Soul Reaver for the PlayStation and Body Harvest for the Nintendo 64. Nice. I'm doing a replay through of a Hollow Knight myself. Fun little game. Uh, me, uh, I recently went to Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, got to meet a few artists who uh, were commissioned for to be the inlays for some pieces I'm working on right now. Um, by the time this goes out, I will probably be working on either a Star Wars cabinet for vintage figurines or be working on a Spider-Man comic book cabinet. So we'll see. So if you've enjoyed the show, please give us a review and share with your friends. If you want to drop us a note, tell us how, we, how very wrong I am and how very right everybody else is, or make a movie suggestion for us, just visit us at movie-smash.com. See you guys soon. Please give us a review and share with your friends. If you want to drop us a note, tell us where we were wrong, or give us a movie suggestion, visit us at movie-smash.com.